0: welcome to today's podcast our theme for this year's lenten season is my story helping us all to become more aware of the ways our personal faith stories intersect with god's story and scripture throughout the season we are introducing you to members of first church family and asking them to tell us a little bit about their stories my name is eric lindborg and i'm an active member and also serve on the first church communications committee today i'm pleased to introduce you to my very good friend michael Dippy. I'm so looking forward to this conversation, hearing his story. Michael, welcome to the podcast. First, thank you, please Harry. tell us. <laughs> thank you. First, please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a member at First Church, and, and how you're involved now.
1: I'm pretty sure my parents brought me there when I was before I was even one years old. Um, yeah, I, I have memories as far back as my memories can go. Of Being in that beautiful sanctuary and with all those people, even when I really didn't understand the the God side, I understood the relationship side and the love side and the community side.
0: So you're like me. I was basically born into the church. So it's um, sometimes hard to articulate sort of um, when my spiritual journey began. Um, When do you see your spiritual journey beginning?
1: um i mean you're right there there is a neat conversion story that you hear about people that weren't born in the church that you always kind of go, on, that's interesting too uh, That you can be introduced to it later in life and we didn't have that opportunity um but there are growth moments and i i mean one of them was honestly with you at uh being a choir tour with the church across the street uh, in the, in the oaks. oaks in the oaks um And just realizing the the love of that group of people and the relationships I was building and and just seeing all the goodness that was there and just going, I'm not sure exactly what I believe, but I want to be a part of this. And I, I remember where I actually had that thought sitting on a brick wall out in the back, overlooking the big field. And and I just felt like I never want to forget that thought. And ironically, I haven't.
0: That's awesome. I I remember that trip exactly and i remember i don't remember what the room was like but we were all sitting around and kind of doing a sing-along it was it was a sort of a classic sort of mountaintop experience i remember just feeling struck by god's love in that yep. so awesome so, yeah,
1: so that's definitely a fence, fence post moment um uh youth group uh once again with you in general and junior high and even high school with the crazy Jim Byrne, um, you know, really making Christianity cool, uh, yeah. in a different way, um, was another significant thing for me.
0: Well, and you, you, you poured back into kids, if I recall, cause I, I think you used to serve very regularly with middle school and maybe high school at, at first church.
1: Yeah, I've been longtime friends with Steve Schneeberger and um, eventually he broke me down and I spent a few years, probably four or five years uh, being active in that youth group. And yeah, and that's another amazing experience because you you don't realize the power of scripture and just witnessing until you try to teach it to someone else and then the, the reflection that comes back at you. Mm. From that moment of trying to express and teach others, it doesn't come in any other way. And so it was really just an interesting growth moment um, that I don't think that you would experience otherwise.
0: Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it, it is interesting how when you are in a position where you're you're doing the teaching or doing the influencing, you're actually the one that's in many cases learning the most and benefiting the most. Yeah. It's awesome. So yeah, it's it's that in the oaks memory is just so awesome. Um, you know, it kind of takes me to the, the next question. What, what are the what are the times, places, experiences when you feel closest to God?
1: There's different ones, and um, in, in, uh, I mean, I, I would say if I had one kind of, I had to put my finger on it, uh, being alone in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, something about and just being humbled by the power of it, humbled by the glory of it the creation of it um, the pureness of it uh, I think that's where I would say my anchor is Um, but I've also had uh, impactful times in our sanctuary Mm -hmm. um, that is similar but completely different, you know, filled with people Um, And I think it's, it's good to look for a variety of different fruits um, to kind of feed the spirit. And and one is that isolation in nature for me. And one is that fellowship with people for me. And, uh, you know, service is another one Um, that's, uh, that resonates heavily with me.
0: So the, so some of the listeners may not know this, but but Michael and I have known each other literally our entire lives. We were born three doors down from each other and are still best friends. Um, and I, I make that comment only because uh, like Michael, you know, being with with nature and God's creation gives me the most spiritual energy I could ever, you know, ever have. And and also one of the things I truly love about our church is the sanctuary space. It's um, it it, I walk in there. It's the smell, the feel, everything. It just completely connects me. So it's interesting that you and I are wired up so similarly. So you see, fifty-something
1: years will do that.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, (laughs) fifty-something. We'll leave it at that. Keep them guessing. So um, you mentioned service, and uh, of course, you you served in the youth group. And um, if you if you wouldn't mind, if you could share a little bit about IDignity, where you serve as the executive director, and um, you may not say this, but I will. You're the you know certainly the founder of IDignity, but I think the um, the church and the listeners would be really interested to know how First Church played into the creation of iDignity and sort of that story and where you and iDignity are now.
1: Yeah, um, and, and not to correct you, but one of about 30 founders that were uh, representing the five downtown churches, I, I was asked out of that group to lead the organization. So I um, so I have been the leader of the organization since, but it was a as anything that has a pretty much any value, it was a, a group led spiritual effort. Um, and I always want to make sure that, that that's important, uh, especially for other people that want to try efforts um, beyond high dignity and, and afterwards, just the lesson I learned and the benefit of that kind of collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, the First Church has a long history of, of service to the poor. Um, I remember as a as a young man or I't been uh, old child, uh, witnessing what we did on the cold nights program um, and and then realizing one night where it wasn't quite cold enough to dictate a cold night program of still wanting to welcome people in just because it's a couple degrees warmer and it's not a mandatory cold night program. What about that woman with the with the baby? Um, and And it really was a movement in the church that, that eventually led to growth and my understanding led to the Coalition for the Homeless. Um, uh, Another good collaborative effort that the faith community came around and and built. Um, And so witnessing that um, in a downtown church being exposed to a lot of homeless individuals, um, I think was pivotal for me And, and recognizing them as fellow children of God that are at my sanctuary and they shouldn't be treated like they're not members or they're not guests mm-hmm. and I just kind of made a cognitive effort to when I saw them to always try to welcome them to always try to greet them um, and then would often hear through that um, their needs uh, and, uh, and I got pretty good at giving directions to where they could get those needs met whether it was food or whether it was shelter or healthcare or whatever it was and I actually started producing maps because um, uh, I got sick of every Sunday drawing new maps and so I just started making them and then I started learning about all the different places that they could go what time they need to be there what's the criteria um, and eventually those kind of led into these city maps that are, are still being used today I wasn't the first person to ever make maps of services but there wasn't a at that time there wasn't such a uh, periodical available um, and so I one thing that I did is give me a broad knowledge of everything that's out there um, and all the needs that are out there. And so I was really pretty shell-shocked when uh, a homeless individual at our at our sanctuary one Sunday morning was saying, No, Michael, I'm 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 doing pretty good, except I uh, this guy wants to hire me and he can't hire me because I can't get my ID. And I was like, Well, what do you mean you can't get your ID? I I've never had a problem getting my. I've never even known of anyone. I, you know, I, I know I'm pretty old. know a lot of people. I've never even heard of a single person I'm not questioning you, but I just don't understand. Help me understand how because the DMV is right down here. Um, and he, he he did elaborate some, and I went to the DMV that week, and you know, told this gentleman I would try to figure out what we could do. and and it's hard enough to get your own ID when you're trying to get an ID for a stranger and you really don't know what you're doing. They just look at you like, well, what, what do you mean? You don't even know who this guy is. Where is this guy? You know, And, it's, and so I, uh, I knew it was a, a barrier that had no evidence of a solution that was easy to refer individuals to. And I knew it was going to be much too big of a lift for just myself and, and thankfully by the grace of God. Um, Other people had been witnessing this issue, this barrier at uh, four or five other downtown churches Um, and we all united to address it Um, and spent about six months meeting at least once a week and meeting with the government agencies and and meeting with the homeless folks and meeting with case managers and just trying to figure out how do we navigate this and realizing we we were probably going to get attorneys involved and um, and really built a a really neat model uh, that uh, that served, gosh, 23 unique individuals here in Orlando has been able to replicate into other communities as well. And, um, and it's uh, one of the two biggest programs in the entire nation, uh, that's in this space. Um, one of them's just a little bit older than we are. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been really, really rewarding, um, to, A, to have a, a a successful way to relieve suffering, a pragmatic manner uh, to involve people to relieve suffering of those most in need, um, I think is one of the greatest joys. And it's, it's not just relieving suffering, but it's, it's also empowering these people to now have the tool that they need to better their own life, um, which really foundational is identification because you can't do anything in our society with it. And it's one of the few things that if you can't access it, you're the one person that can't fix it. Um, and I think one of the, one of the greatest choices is just witnessing the thousands of volunteers um, that have rallied around this and, and the donors as well, but to see the volunteers really engaging uh, with this population and helping this population through this often very challenging situation. Um, and seeing how rewarding it is for their life. And I think that's, I think service, uh, service is one of the best tools we have to get close to God. Uh, and, and But it has to be pragmatic. It has to be gain traction or else it can get frustrating. And uh, it wasn't my first experience in trying to help homeless people. But it was the first one where I got significant traction. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I go back into service.
0: Uh, it's, it's it, it, you know, it's, um, it's a point of pride for me just to have been around I dignity all of these years and to see sort of your personal journey throughout that it's, it's, it really is amazing. And, um, you, you know, you, you mentioned service and how that does bring us close to God, especially when it's aligned with, you know, God's desires. And I think you're exactly right. Um, we're called to help people in in pragmatic and meaningful ways. Um, How involved are First Church members to this day at iDignity? Are they still volunteering? Is the church still playing an important role in the organization?
1: Yeah, I mean, to the best of the ability in the pandemic environment, uh, pandemic has definitely thrown iDignity like a a lot of organizations for a loop, but our delivery of service model was to have 400 people in a room all together on one day, once a month. And you obviously can't do that with social distancing and and have 150 volunteers that are all assisting in that process um, and you just can't do it. Um, So we've had to uh, kind of reinvent our delivery of service to three days a week in a much, much smaller facility with 20 clients a day or sometimes 25 clients a day um, but that really only only has room for about 10 volunteers um, and, and the volunteers that are at that event really have to know suits the nuts um, about identification and, and all the barriers. There's, there's just not 150 different slots for you to fill with volunteers. And so it's a different dynamic, I think it's maybe a little deeper, but certainly not nearly as wide. Um, and that's an impediment. Plus, the impediment that there's a lot of our volunteers in that retirement age, and they are specifically the people that shouldn't be out uh, with potential exposure to COVID, um, which, regardless of the size of IDignity events, is still a risk. So, we've part of the reinvention of IDignity is also leveraging technology, uh, a, to reduce the likelihood of uh, spreading of COVID through paper and pens. Um, but B, also to enable our staff and our volunteers to work remotely. Mm. So we do have some volunteers that are helping clients um, or are meeting with case managers or are doing research at home, working uh, with the IDENTITY kind of software system. And so that's exciting, but it's still not big. You know, it's not going to be 150 people logging in. Um, but the heart of what the founding of iDignity in the the first 12 years before COVID, yeah, first church is all in. Um, You know, it's uh, it's especially the new class. If I was to point to one, um, you know, they were the ones that rallied around me. That was my Sunday school, it was my parents' Sunday school class and it was just the one that I would attend because I was always amazed at the intellectual level in that class. Um, But they're the ones that rallied around day one. They were part of that initial crew. There's probably 15 of them. Um, that were part of that initial crew that really implemented the First Eye Dignity events um, and really wrapped their arms around it and around me, honestly. Mm. Uh, I, For sure. you know, there's no way I could have mustered the ongoing encouragement without their support. Um, so yeah, First Church is still engaged. It's, uh, it's unfortunate that it's, it's a little bit more distant right now and we're trying to figure out how we can maintain that culture of engagement, even if there's not direct volunteer activity involved.
0: That's awesome. So, if we, if listeners um, were interested in helping IDignity, how could they find out
1: more? Uh, probably best is you know, good old website, World Wide Web, uh, IDignity.org, I-D-I-G-N-I-T-Y. and um, Form you can fill out there. Reach out to the volunteer coordinator. Um, and or she'll reach out to you at that point and and see if we can get a good committed bit of you know once every other week or something like that where you could come in and serve or or serve at home or or serve at other capacities in the office that maybe is not direct client forward.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. Well we'll uh we'll we'll start of to, start to wrap this up, but we'll we'll wrap it up with a couple of what I consider to be fat, fun questions. Um, you know, and, and, and I mean this with sincerity and you know this, you, you are one of my spiritual heroes because of what you've, what you've done and what you do every day in our friendship. Um, but who would you consider one of your spiritual heroes? Or if you've got more than one, you yeah. can share that too. <laughs>
1: um, I mean, Reverend Zerman comes to mind as a childhood. Um, we already mentioned Jim Byrne is another pastor uh Britt Gilmore, he was he was by my side helping to start i dignity with that core group um, and just one of the one of the most peaceful men I've ever known. Um, and then you got the big shots the you know C.S. Lewis the Richard Wars the I've been reading a little bit about the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu and you know I, I try to get as many different spiritual paths uh, as I as I can to just I think there's a there's just a lot of value in all these really, really smart people that have gone down the path before. And so trying to tap into that. Um, and honestly, you, I mean, we've been tight for a long time and I, I look at the faith journey that you've had and it, it, it builds me confidence to, to have someone alongside me um, going down that path. You're, you're I, good f- my mom. I meant to say my mom.
0: Of course, of course, <laughs> your mom. Oh, thank you, Michael. You know, I I, um, cherish our friendship and I feel the same way about you. So God is uh, is big and he's indescribable and his impact is um, very difficult sometimes to understand. But what would you say is your favorite thing about God?
1: I think... I think equality, um, that we're all his children, that he loves us all equally, Mm -hmm. at least in my theology. Um, there's something very unifying about that. There's so much divisiveness, you you know, in the United States and across the world in so many different ways. And then you have this one entity, God, that goes, love y'all. Um, there's something very unifying about that. Um, and I, I wish we could see it more clearly. Uh, you know, we're all sharing basically the same blood, the same type of DNA in, in a sense. And it just sometimes seems like we let this pettiness get in the way. And I, I just I envision God just going, ah, you know, why can't they get over this stuff? Why can't they just love each other and care for each other? Um, or, or simply just share my love with each other, nothing else, you know, it's, so I I think that's what I I, I like to see is, yeah, just, just the one.
0: I love that. I love that. And and by the way, it's something that I love the most about our church is that, um, our church loves everyone and does welcome everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, Michael, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to to talk with us and to share your story. And uh, thank you for the work that you do, both in the church and, and in IDignity dignity. And um, on behalf of First Church, uh, God bless you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future.